Hey, welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses. And this week, I was joined by a phenomenal lady, Denise Logan, And she has such a fascinating journey. She's had a journey as a mental health professional, as a lawyer, as a business owner, who had her own challenges with letting go of her business. And then having gotten to the other side, did some research on why exactly is it that business owners really grapple with letting go and decided to dedicate um, her life to helping business owners navigating these emotional obstacles. And she wrote a great, great, great book called The Seller's Journey, which I had some time to read over the holidays. And oh my goodness, it was phenomenal. I would encourage you to listen in. Um, Denise has such an amazing spirit and she comes at the work that she's doing with deep, deep empathy. And in her words, she says, she's doing for others what she wished someone had done for her. So I encourage you to listen in and enjoy. Thank you. Welcome, Denise, to the Connected Generation. I can't wait for this conversation. I'm so excited. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. No, it's just going to be awesome. Um, today you're a speaker, you're an author, um, you're really passionate about helping business owners transition, not just think about a transaction. But tell us more, how did you get to where you are today? Oh my gosh, you know, I'm doing for others what I wish someone had done for me when I was mm. in that place. Mm. So uh, I grew up in Ontario, Canada, and then um, went to college here in the U.S., In my early life, I was a mental health professional, Mm -hmm. and I have specialty training in work and financial disorders and thanatology, which is the art of death and dying, so how we let go. And if you think about how those two things come together, how money and our work is often so intimately tied with who we are, that the thought of letting go for many owners feels like death. Uh And so they can avoid it. So early life as a mental health professional. And then I became a lawyer. And I always say, for goodness sake, wouldn't you have thought I could have used that good mental health training to not become a lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been such a good use of that. (laughs) It would have served me well. And I built a law firm in Washington, D.C. And eventually we became quite a large size. And I realized I'm done. I'm ready to leave. Like I would rather put a stick in my eye than go to work one more day. I know the feeling. (laughs) But I didn't really know how to exit my business. And Mm. so I was in my middle 30s at the time, had this big old machine that was eating me alive. And I knew for several years before I actually left that it was time for me Mm. to go. But anytime, you know, I was burned out, Anytime I said, I'm ready, I want to go, the people around me, and they had good hearts, they meant well, were in the place where like, ah, oh, just buy a vacation house or get a better car or, mm. you know, go on a trip. But that wasn't solving it for me. I had really mm. reached the point where it was time to go. So I did a super ugly, choppy exit 
to my own business, merged it with a large Baltimore firm, got rid of my house and bought a motor home. Mm-hmm. And I took off for what I thought would be six months and turned into several years where I traveled all over North and Central America in my motor home with my two little dogs. And that's a whole other conversation we'll have mm-hmm. like with a beverage sometime. <laughs> And I came off the road and joined a friend's business. He was preparing that company for sale. And so over the next 10 years, we took the business to the market three times and he Mm. could not let go. And I thought, isn't this interesting? You could be me and wait too long and be ready to give it away. Or you could be him and go too early and not be able to leave. Mm. So I left and did a research study to try to figure out what goes on for business owners. How do they get stuck on either end of that? Hmm. And from that research study, I started working one-on-one with business owners and their advisors to navigate that emotional obstacle that they get stuck in. And from there, I wrote a book, The Seller's Journey, and have been speaking and writing about the topic. And I'm really, I think over and over, what would have been like if the advisors around me really understood the emotional journey that I was Mm -hmm. going on, Mm -hmm. the transition I was experiencing, and not just the transaction that they were processing. I love that. I want to just go back a little bit to (laughs) you feeling trapped in this law firm that you had built. Talk us through that. Um, What was trapping you? Oh, it's so fascinating to look back on. You know, some days I think I was probably happiest when it was me and one paralegal and one secretary in Mm -hmm. 500 square feet of office, right? We are so conditioned to always be growing and scaling and building and bigger, bigger, bigger. It must Mm -hmm. always be more. Mm -hmm. And yet for not for all of us is bigger, better is bigger, better is what I would say. And so at the time, I didn't know that about Mm -hmm. myself. It took a long time to realize that actually I was happiest in a business that looked different than what I had grown. Mm -hmm. And growing a large business, you know, it's a hungry machine. There are a lot of mouths that need to be fed, the pressure and the intensity of that. I had long gotten away from the pieces that I loved in Mm -hmm. my business. And I, I think that happens for a lot of owners right? The thing they love is maybe selling or the creation of something, or there is a piece of what drew us to it and what we loved. And then there is the operating of the business, which Mm. can be different. Mm. And while some of us can grow in a level of maturity to hire someone else to do that so that we can return to the parts we love, um, not all of us have that. Hmm. No, this is absolutely amazing when you said the kind of been conditioned to seek more growth more like this machine and often it's ingrained in our consciousness but isn't aligned with our hearts right right like you're kind of alluding to for some of us simplicity is better Mm -hmm. but to um to go all out and to stand firstly to find that on your inside actually I just want simplicity I'm not really after this big machine not interested to quieten the noise and to discover that and then to stand by that and to um essentially honor your your truth in that is another level of it takes a lot of confidence and convictions to do so 
I think also I, uh, you know, it's interesting to look back on this two decades later and see where I was. Um, I didn't know how to ask for the kind of help mm. that I needed. I don't think I really, and part of that is on me, of course, but I also don't think I had surrounded myself with people who would be able to diagnose what I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. So what might it have been like? like? For me, the you know being the, so I was the face of the firm, I was the head of litigation, but I was also um, the business development person, the person bringing clients in who then would want to work with me, but of course, I'm only one person. So all of that as the business grew, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I look, I look back on it and just see what it would be like now mm. to run that same business, to make those choices, to bring in good, strong advisors who could have said, you don't need to do it all. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. it's okay to decide you don't want to get bigger. What if you want to be smaller? Or mm-hmm. what if you want to stay steady? But I think as we sometimes grow these hungry machines that can eat us alive, if we are only pursuing growth. I was having that conversation with a friend recently. Mm. There's so much, you know, there's so much that goes on in the industry, which is really about how to scale. Must you scale? Mm -hmm. We don't know. That's a, but if we don't ever allow ourselves to make that choice, we can find ourselves with a very different business than the business that we thrive in. Mm. I wonder what it is that's in our consciousness that just automatically by default, thinks growth is the only option, but that's for another conversation. Oh, but you know, it's interesting. Um, I have a friend um, who has a really interesting theory about the three different parts of a business. So he talks about it as maker, market, product, fit. So if you mm-hmm. think about that, right, the maker is us as the business mm-hmm. owner. The market, of course, is who wants what we have. And then there is the product. And so often we focus on market product fit. And we're like, wait, but where do I fit into my business? Where, what is the product that I love? What is the market I love? And when those three things are aligned, that the maker is also aligned with the market they're serving and also aligned with the product they're serving. There's a beauty in thriving that happens. But if we leave that out and the only part of the conversation that ever gets focused is market product, Mm. we sometimes get lost in our own business or feel left out of it. Amazing. So you were journey. (laughs) A completely different journey. You were talking about how after you traveled for two years, your friend that struggled to sell his business and it 10 times, try to sell three times and each time. And you're contrasting your experience where you left it too late and your friend that started too early. Can you speak more to that? Gosh, so, so much good in that question. You know, we, at the beginning of businesses, of course, we have a plan, right? We have a business plan and we focus on the launch. And even if you think about how we launch businesses and we have grand opening celebrations and all of this enthusiasm but there is also the launch at the other end Mm. the launch from our business Mm. to something else I sometimes think of that as the reverse launch (laughs) Mm. and what would it be like I think Stephen Covey is the one who said begin with the end in mind what if it's like 
what would it be like if starting our business, we also really were thinking about, and how will I leave? How will I know when it's time? What must I accomplish to, for this business to have been a success for me personally, for my community, instead of just the economic part of our business, always earning more, 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 and focusing on the economics or, I mean, money matters. Don't get me wrong. If I offered my landlord a cup of meaning, she would say, thank you so much, but may I also have money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the money matters, but it's not the only thing. So often when I'm talking to business owners and they're talking about leaving, number one, many of them will say, I'm never going to leave. <laughs> I always laugh. I'm like, it's not if you leave, it is when you leave. Because as business owners, every one of us will leave our business voluntarily or involuntarily. Mm. So what if we own that? That brings us back to the death and dying piece, mm. right? When I, even when you hear someone say, well, if I die, oh, sorry, that word is really when, because mm-hmm. we will. So if we think about the ending of our time at our business, it might not be the ending of the business, but we mm-hmm. will all have a time to end. That's a different way to view it. Some of the reasons why I think owners get stuck in that exit piece or even refuse to consider that they will exit. There's a series of questions that I like to ask owners. So what does work provide for you mm-hmm. other than money and financial security? Because it provides a lot more. So if you and I were just to brainstorm, what does work provide you other than money? Belonging, a tribe, identity, significance, status, um, sense of fulfillment. Right. Intellectual stimulation. Yeah. Structure. Yeah. A place to go. You know, during COVID, weren't we all just, when can I leave my house? (laughs) When can I go from here? P.S. Your spouse was thinking that too. (laughs) (laughs) When will you leave? And maybe your children too. But I think during COVID, one of the things that owners got such an interesting look at were all of the other things that work provides other than money. Mm. You know, I suggest to owners that they make a list of 10 things that work provides other than money and financial security. And lots of people struggle with that. Mm. Friendship is often on there because our you know, our coworkers, our employees, our customers, our vendors are often also our friends. Who are your Saturday friends? Mm. Who are the friends that are not in your business? Power is another huge piece that we get as business owners, right? At work, mm. you say, I want this done. It generally <laughs> happens. Maybe not so much at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the starting point is to make that list of what are those things. And it's numbers seven, eight, nine, and 10 on the list that become harder to admit to ourselves and harder to admit out in the world. What does it feel like to say, I don't have any other friends except Mm. here. Who will I hang out with? Mm. What will we have? So for a business owner to make that list and then say, how will I get those needs met outside of my work? Hmm. Because those needs don't go away just because we get a big sack of cash. 
So if you think about an intergenerational transition, right, parent is having trouble letting go or giving it to the child or letting the child, the adult child step in, often I'm like, huh, what does your parent get from work? And how will they otherwise get that need met? So multi-generational family that reached out to me to help them with navigate this transition. And the son was so frustrated. And he said, my dad's never going to leave. Like, what is that? And he said, don't you want to travel? Like, mom has been waiting forever to travel with you. And the father was resisting, resisting. And so I said to the son, does your dad like to travel? He goes, no, but my mom has like been waiting forever to travel. I was like, so how is pushing him toward travel making him dial in even deeper? I'm not leaving. Mm -hmm. I hear owners often say, I'm not going to sit around and do nothing. I'm like, oh, poor baby, who told you? That's what retirement would look like. It doesn't have to be sitting around doing nothing. But Mm -hmm. retirement for you and I will not be like it was for our parents and grandparents. You know, we're not going to be happy playing golf and waiting for Wheel of Fortune to come on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that was satisfying. But for many business owners, that's all they've seen. Mm -hmm. And they have cultivated such a relationship with their business. Where will that relationship come from? Mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely love that. So for many folks, what are the other options? What, What could retirement look like? Mm. Oh, it could be so many things, right? Even the process of letting go. So in my own experience, when I let go of my business, you know, the day came where all the moving trucks came and took all the furniture and the file cabinets. Think about that. We still had file cabinets. (laughs) And everything was gone. And the last truck was pulling away from the building. And I wanted to just see the tail end of it. So I leaned my head toward the window and bang, I smashed my face right into the window, which was, and there were tears pouring down my face. And I thought, I didn't hit my head that hard. And then I realized, oh, the tears are about something else. Everything I have spent all these years building is now gone. And so I had those moments, not only that day, but for many months afterwards, where I thought, oh, I got what I wanted. Oh, wait, I got what I wanted. Oh, wait, I got what I wanted. And for most of the people around me, that was challenging for them to understand because Mm. they would say, but you got what you wanted. Yes. And right, you just moved house this year. Mm. So if you think about the excitement of coming somewhere new and the enthusiasm but also, there was, oh, but I'm leaving this place. Yeah, for, for sure. And it's funny you say that. I was super excited all through the process, packing up new beginnings, etc. And leaving Lagos, um, my mom, my two sister-in-laws accompanied us to the airport. And it was at that moment where it was then saying goodbye. And then the tears, like you, it's like, I got what I wanted, but the tears just came down. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss this. Yeah. You will miss it. And that's a normal piece for us to miss it. Even if you just move across town, right? You think of that moment. You move across town and suddenly you realize, wait, where's the dry cleaner? Oh, the grocery store is different. I don't know where the... 
Yeah, I don't know where the silverware goes in this kitchen drawer. <laughs> Those <laughs> things, uh, you know, when, several years ago, I, I moved house and the house I moved into did not have a microwave oven above the range, which is such a silly thing. I hadn't even noticed it when I was moving in. And the first morning I come out and I get the water out of the sink and I go to put the cup in the microwave over the sink, over the stove, and it's not there. Mm. And I remember like, where is it? (laughs) Because that was a pattern that I had. It took me weeks and weeks to stop doing that action. So for our business owners, how many years have you been stopping in the morning and picking up a cup of coffee or whatever your treat is and then driving this way to go to the office? Often for owners, that happens and they feel embarrassed. Mm. It's not to be embarrassed. This is normal. Like we recognize it in other parts of our life. Hmm. Our business transition is no, not different. different than any other transition. So it's like but grief. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's also the excitement, right? We have both things. Mm-hmm. So I often say to an owner, can we look at what you are moving toward, right? What is the mm-hmm. compelling vision of your future that is pulling you forward instead mm-hmm. of just what you are leaving behind? And mm-hmm. be able to hold both parts, mm-hmm. right? Because, yes, I'm leaving something, and I'm going to something, and I'm still sad about what I'm leaving. And I'm excited I left all of those feelings. Mm. The more we normalize that, the easier it is for an owner to not have, you don't have to hide it mm-hmm. then. I, I absolutely love it. You said, you know, you took some time to do some research on what was it that was making owners stuck in the sale process. Can you tell us more about what you uncovered? So identity is a huge piece mm-hmm. for owners. Um, a, some of the other things that what I saw, can I put it in a, a story for you? Can yeah, I tell you a, a story? Of I an love owner? stories. Yeah. I think it also helps just for us to see ourselves in there. So um, this particular owner, and you know, I often use an example of a business, but I often say to listeners, don't get distracted by the size of the business or the particular kind of company. Put mm. yourself in. How might this apply to you? So this was an $85 million manufacturing company. And the owner was eight weeks before the closing date and suddenly announced he would not take a penny less than nine times EBITDA. Mm. Never mind that he had already signed a letter of intent at 6.2 times. Hmm. So the investment banker was going quite insane because it was like, well, but you already have a deal. And anyway, so when they, when they invited me to have a conversation with the owner, what I learned was that the owner's original plan was to sell the business by a sailboat and sail around the globe. Hmm. And you can get a pretty good boat for $85 million. So it probably wasn't about the money. <laughs> And what I learned is two weeks before he asked for this giant amount of more money, his wife had said to him, I'm not doing that. I do not want to be stuck in a boat with you far away from my grandkids. That's Mm -hmm. not happening. Hmm. And we agree he's not going to come back and tell the deal team that the deal is off because his wife wife. (laughs) what he wants to do. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, why didn't she say that earlier? I'm like, come on, 
you've been married mm-hmm. quite a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You say no to every crazy thing that your husband comes up with. <laughs> You're like, that might not really happen. I'll wait. Pick your battles. Yeah. And so what we found was I did some work with them as a couple, husband and wife, and brought them back together and created a solution where he would buy the sailboat and sail. And every six weeks, she would take one grandchild, fly to where he was. They do two weeks on land, building memories with the grandchild. Mm -hmm. Then she would fly home. He would sail on. Boom. The deal was back on track and closed on time because it was not about the money. Mm-hmm. What they were experiencing, um, we would know as empty nest syndrome, mm. right? The last child was leaving home. And for many of our friends and family, we know that last child leaves and the two parents look at each other and say, who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. I don't even know if I want to know you. And there is what's called relational grief where we put all mm. kinds of things off in anticipation that when we reached this milestone, our life would be this particular way. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, that's not true. So think a business owner may have spent all of this time putting things off, imagining mm-hmm. that when I retire, we'll travel in a sailboat. And then you realize we don't want the same things. Mm-hmm. We can do the work around that, but often what happens for owners is when they catch sight of it, instead they say, you know what, that's too hard. I'll just keep working. Hmm. Hmm. So I hear something that owners do a fair amount. I call it, oh my syndrome. One more year. Oh my. (laughs) And I'm keen on that, right? Because it's not that there's, oh, I need one more year. That's usually a signal. I don't know how to do something that is coming toward me. So I'm going to pump the brakes and stall. Mm-hmm. You, you said something about how, you know, how could that owner explain to the investment bankers that the reason why he's suddenly, you know, up to the <laughs> minimum is because his wife doesn't want to go on this boat with him around the world. And right. it speaks to the fact that a lot of advisors that serve family businesses and founders come with a very a plus b equals c mindset whilst the families on the inside have the the emotions also have a role to play and it can create this kind of uh, a a veneer and like friction between them and their advisors where they can't come with their fullest selves and say this is the reason why we want to do a b c d e they feel almost ashamed of it Right. If the only thing we talk to our clients about is the money, the only language they will have to express their other things to us in is around the money. Uh So if we create safety for them. So one of the reasons that I wrote The Seller's Journey is, and it's written as a business fable. It's Uh the story of an owner one year after he sells his business, he goes on a trip across Glacier National Park with all of the advisors who helped him sell his business. So the banker, the lawyer, the wealth manager, and the private equity buyer. Hmm. Usually when I say that, people are like, oh my God, that sounds like the worst trip ever in my whole (laughs) life to go on a trip with those people. But what if it was the most amazing trip because of how you understood each other? And as they cross the glacier, these advisors and the owner 
are relating the physical obstacles they face on the glacier to the emotional obstacles they faced in the transaction. And it's always going on. It's a metaphor. Mm. But we think about an advisor who understands, right? They must have transactional prowess. They must know how to be successful in the transaction. But for an advisor who also is highly attuned to the transition that the owner is experiencing and makes space for them to share that, our owners will reveal all of the things that they're struggling with. Mm. Mm. And then we can solve for those. I wrote a column a couple of months ago called Scary Things That Go Bump in the Night. And it was about the things that wake owners up at three o'clock in the morning when the transition is upon them and they're terrified. And they're really normal things. Things like, who will I hang out with? That happened Mm. for a young owner that I was working with. He was in his mid-30s and set to net $16 million on the other side of the sale of his company, which is a pretty good chunk of change mm-hmm. for that time that in age. his life. Mm-hmm. And he realized, wait, all my buddies have jobs. I'm going to sell this business, and what am I going to do with myself? So he was shooting pool with his best friend and said that. And his friend said, boo-hoo, I wish I had your sad little $16 million problem. You know, that problem didn't go away. It just went underground because then that owner felt like, oh, I shouldn't be talking about this. Who am I to be so selfish to be worried about this when it was still an issue that needed to be dealt with? Having advisors around him who could hold that because instead he was just acting it out in the transaction. All these other things suddenly weren't right, weren't right. And when we were able to say, Michael, what's happening? And he could relate that instead of advisors saying, ah, man, don't worry about it. You're going to get a big Mm -hmm. chunk of money. You'll figure it out. We work with him to figure it out so that Mm -hmm. he could step forward into this new part of his life. You know, the sale of the business, whether it's transitioning to a family member or an outright sale, that chapter in the life of a business owner is one of the most vexing. Mm -hmm. And it is a crossing In so many ways. Hmm. And rather than, I think you and I have talked about this before, but only one third of the businesses that go to the market to sell, successfully sell. That's a tragedy. Yeah. Because if an owner has gone through this process and is unable to sell and then has to re-enter the business, their mojo is already drained. Like, think about that. I thought Mm -hmm. I was done, right? Have you ever... I don't know if you've had this experience, but maybe listeners might have. You thought you've sold the house and then the sale falls through and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I can get myself excited Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. For a business owner, a sale that doesn't conclude well is a travesty for them. Most business owners expect to fund their retirement from the sale proceeds of the business. If the business doesn't sell, it doesn't matter how many great Monte Carlo simulations your investment advisor has done. We need to harvest the well. But also if a business transition doesn't happen successfully, there is drama for the family, Mm. for the employees, and for the community that is impacted by this business transition. So I feel really this is crucial work that we Mm. do. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. it is not just about a failed transaction, right? And a, an advisor might think, oh, well, that one didn't go and they're bummed because they didn't get their commission. But for the business owner and their family and the community, this is a tragedy. We must do better. Mm-hmm. And for business owners who actually successfully sell and feel remorse on the other side, that's mm-hmm. horror. Mm-hmm. So when I think about this as the most challenging moment in the life of a business owner, the sale, and how much they deserve to be cared for and respected and truly shepherded across this ravine to be placed gently on the other side, fully intact, enthusiastic, and ready to step into the next chapter of their life. That's Mm -hmm. what a sale process can be Mm -hmm. and should be. Powerful. I want to talk a little bit more about, you mentioned the drama of a failed transaction. <laughs> oh, you unpack no. that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to unpack uh, that. The mm. drama. Gosh. Do you want to talk about it from a family perspective? Do you want to talk about where do you want to go with this? I have all kinds of things. From a family perspective. Hmm. So if we think about a transition from in a family run business, um, sometimes there are children that don't want to take over the business. And the parent is guilting or shaming or pushing them into that. That's no great way to have a transition. Or sometimes the children are ready and the parent won't or can't let go Mm. and continues to dominate. Those are really destructive. You know, I always say it's a family business. Family matters Mm -hmm. in a family business. It's absolutely crucial that we attend to the emotion that's going on underneath that's getting acted out mm-hmm. in the business. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And then you mentioned some folks that have seller's remorse. Hmm. If we haven't really done this work to prepare to exit our business, sometimes we get to the other side and there's regret. Mm-hmm. Seller's remorse is the number one risk to a successful transaction. Mm. And there's so many moments where we can understand what's really going on for our owner. You know, you think the first time that there's a valuation done and someone pokes at the financials, the owner is filled with shame. Mm. Even if there's nothing to be seen, right? You're used to being the person who knows everything about your business. And now someone comes in and starts asking questions and poking around. It's a normal part of what an owner will feel like. What if I'm dumb? What if I look dumb? Hmm. What if I did something wrong? What if I didn't know? And so all that emotional churning that happens. But if the advisors know that, instead of thinking, oh, why is that person so nervous about this? There must be something wrong. No, Hmm. it's just the normal part of someone poking around in your financials. Mm. We can help them navigate that. For an owner that leaves their business and either wasn't prepared or feels regret about that, several things happen. You know, I often will hear someone tell me, I watched my father leave his business and he was dead within six months. Or right, we've all heard some mm-hmm. stories of that. That sense that the person didn't thrive on mm. the other side. And it can feel scary. We have a responsibility to help people thrive on Mm. the other side of this. And that means helping them to prepare and to grieve 
and to actually be excited about it and to have something that they are moving toward. Sometimes mm-hmm. an owner will say, I, oh, I did this really interesting retreat with um, a group of CEOs and their spouses. And we were talking about the exit process. And one man said, I'm never going to leave. And of course, you know me well enough. I've like poked around at that. And he said, the only place I feel fully alive is in my business. Interesting. Ouch. What might that be like to be the spouse? Exactly. To hear that. The only place I feel alive is in my business. And so we did a little work around that. Like, how could he feel alive outside of his business? That Mm. brings us back to the earlier part. What are you getting from the business Mm. and from your work? And how will you get that met? When we know what we're getting and how to get it met and we have a plan, we actually thrive on the Mm. other side. But if all we have seen are people who have exited their business and struggled and regret it, it will terrify us. Denise, wow. (laughs) You started off this conversation saying you're doing for people what you wish, you know, was available to you and you're doing really special work. This is completely fascinating and mind blowing. Um, How, how do you actually help business owners? What does that process look like? So most of the work I do now is speaking and writing Mm -hmm. on the topic Part of the reason that I made that shift several years ago, I want advisors, you know, the advisors are seeing business owners. So you think the accountant, the lawyer, the banker, the wealth manager, um, all of those folks are one-to-one with their clients. Instead of waiting until it's a crisis and like the stories that I've told you here where, oh no, the deal's about to blow up. I've been really focused on helping advisors to Mm -hmm. up their game, to understand what's going on. I'll give you just another example of that. We were at um, at the deal table and an older owner said, who's going to help me program my cell phone? And everyone laughed and they were like, "Uh, don't you have a 14-year-old grandson? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a funny answer. But later I said, that wasn't about his cell phone. Mm. What happened was that owner in looking at his cell phone, realized there's a lot of stuff I don't know how to do. Like in the world, people have taken care of things for me Mm. and have in some ways covered for me. The fact Mm. I don't know how to do so many things. So if as advisors, we're able to hear what an owner is saying or as a family member, right? You hear what your parent is saying and realize this isn't about the cell phone. Mm. The cell phone is a metaphor for something they have just realized. Instead of making a funny but slightly shaming remark, we can say, yeah, that's true. What other things might you be worried about? What else can we help? Because for someone who has been in a position of power in their business and feels like the one who knows everything, the one whose wisdom is valued, to suddenly be faced with, wow, I don't even know how to program my own cell phone. Hmm. Where have they had opportunities to have learning and to be okay at being new at something? Knowing those things can make such a difference in how a transition happens for our owner. Or we might have, sometimes we see older owners who won't let go 
right? What's mm-hmm. happening? So this was, a, a, I think he was 78 years old, this owner. And he was really resisting. And everyone was like, dude, you're like, you can't keep at it. What are we going to do? And separately, I said to the group, I was like, what might be going on in the body of a 78-year-old man right now? Mm-hmm. What other changes is he experiencing? Maybe he can't drive at night. Mm. Maybe he realizes I can't live in this house that has stairs anymore. You know, there are other parts that are changing in his self-esteem, in his body image. Maybe work might be the only place where he presently feels like I still have a grip on things. He also had a younger wife. And one of the things when we were able to dial in a little bit to this is, how will my wife see me? Mm. because she has seen me in this role. So I think the more I'm able to be out helping to shift that, what are we really hearing? What are we thinking? I still occasionally work one-on-one with a business owner and their advisors to navigate that or a family. But it really, it's not just about me being the person who does that. I'm like, how can we as a community Mm -hmm. of people who are supporting business owners, both professionally and in our own families, understand, right? Like the story I told earlier about, Mm. well, why don't you retire so you can travel with mom? Because that might be the most horrible thought for me. (laughs) That if I leave the business, I'm going to have to travel with your mother. (laughs) Can we know that? Mm. And help people to let go in other ways that are kind and gracious incredible incredible I can be here for like three hours unpacking I love your work so much it's just absolutely fascinating and I can't wait to get into the book um I received my copy can't wait to read it tell us more about Celeste's journey and where folks can get a hold of it I have to tell you it was one of the most fun things sounds it sounds fascinating yeah and just for an for owners to be able to see themselves in the journey that this particular fellow takes and also to recognize that the advisors who show up in the book are all of the folks that you will need in selling your business. Instead of simply looking for someone who is um, technically proficient, can the way I wrote the book is can you also look for those advisors who show up like these people mm. in the book? The ones who actually understand and have empathy and are compassionate about the change that this owner is going through. Part of the reason that I wrote the book and wrote it that way is so many owners are terrified when they begin the process because all they've ever heard is, oh my gosh, beware, the investment banker is going to force you. The lawyer is just here to churn up money. Your wealth manager is only here to get the money. And so if instead we recognize that's some of the people out there. Yeah, do be wary of them. Stay away from them. (laughs) Look for the investment banker who is aligned with you and Mm -hmm. cares as much about your transition as your transaction. Look for the lawyer who has the emotional capacity Mm. to hear what you're going through. Look for the CPA and the wealth manager who also have thought about their own exits. Mm -hmm. When evaluating an advisor, what if that's the question you ask? What is your plan to leave your business? Interesting. 
what will you do on the other side of this? And notice that those who have done this work and thought through this for themselves and processed that emotion are way more prepared to help you through yours. And keep looking until you find advisors who are like those characters who show up in the seller's journey. It was designed as a way for owners to say, this is possible. And for advisors to come back to, we have permission to care about our clients. Hmm. Hmm. It is an honor to be chosen hmm. to help an owner make this journey. Hmm. They are entrusting us with, other than their family, this is the most prized part of their life. And when they invite us into it, and we recognize that this is an honor and a duty to do this well, I, I think this is actually sacred work that hmm. we're doing. To help shepherd them well and safely across this time and place them gently on the other shore, ready and enthusiastic to step into this new world that waits for them. And those owners who make the journey that way and feel thrilled and happy and delighted about what they've experienced become the very best referrals ever for those professionals. And they also make it safer for other owners who might be reluctant to make the journey because we will all leave our businesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You took the words out of my mouth. This is sacred work for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, How can folks get in touch with you? if They want to learn more about your work and, you know. Oh, thank you. You're so generous. It's uh, I have a website. It's Denise at denise.logan.com. And you're welcome to email me there or reach out. I'm always happy to hear what's happening with owners or advisors. And yeah, so it's denislogan.com. The book is available there. It's also available. um, There's an audio book version of it. It was recorded with professional voice actors because I was no way was I going to be sometimes the girl and sometimes the boy. (laughs) It's a bit different with a fable, isn't it? But it was lovely, actually, when it was audio recorded. I, I fell in love with the book again in a whole other way. Super fun. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. Thank you yeah. so much, Denise. This has been phenomenal. I enjoyed it so much. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I loved that recording. I love that. Denise is an amazing storyteller. <laughs> Every answer was like, can I tell a story? <laughs> yes, you can, girl. Go ahead. Um there was always a story that brought to life and articulated in such a really relatable way um, the issues that she was trying to communicate. And her book is the same. Her book is actually nonfiction and it's just such an easy, light read. But it's, you know, the most impactful things are not necessarily the most complicated. Oftentimes, the most simple things are the most effective and poignant and striking and that's that's the way I describe her book it was whilst it was non-fiction honestly it really struck me and gave me deep insight into the emotional obstacles in letting go of a business I loved when she spoke about how if one is seeking to let go of their business you should start to make a list of what are the things that you get 
from working, from owning your business. And I think this is equally applicable to next gens when I, I come across many next gens that are like, I'm thinking of leaving the family business. Is anyone listening? <laughs> turns to the left, turns to the right in secret. Let me whisper it into your ear. I want to go off and do my own thing. But then there's this kind of like difficulty in, in really taking flight and moving on to the next phase of life and going ahead and pursuing one's dreams because it's like one feels stuck. Like, how can I start something new? You know, um, what would that newness look like? And I think it's important to list and gain clarity. What are the things, what, are, what value do I get from being a next gen in the business? And how can I get that value from stepping outside of the business? And I loved what she said about maker, market and product fit. The importance of maker fit. And this is so, 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 so apt. Continuing from what I just said in terms of if you're thinking of stepping out and doing something new, it's important not just to be driven by opportunity because there's opportunity everywhere, right? You will literally be overwhelmed. Decision overwhelm (laughs) is real. And it will be difficult to hold on to something new with deep conviction um, and a sense of purpose and a sense of alignment and commit to it tirelessly because building something new um, is not done overnight. Rome was not built overnight. It takes consistency, commitment, discipline. So it's really important that there is that make of it. Um, I really, really love that. So yeah, I'd encourage you to get the book. It's a really great book, The Seller's Journey. It's available on Amazon and where you buy books. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I would also appreciate it if you could leave a review rating wherever it is you listen to podcasts on Spotify or on iTunes. It really helps um, improving the algorithm so that this content is pushed out to other people that this would be really useful for. I'd also love if you could share this podcast with those that you know that are in family businesses, other next gens, that this would really help them as they navigate their journey in exploring legacy wealth and legacy businesses. Thank you guys so much. You are G's. I'm really grateful for you and I wish you a great week. Take care. God bless you.